colonies of silicon insectoids. <laughs> Let me start over. Colonies of silicon insectoids crawling through your tunnels into your cities and feeding off electrical power. It's Gamera 2 Attack of Legion. don't know what it is attack of the legion well is it uh, so i i in, in looking it, up this movie it had multiple different names it was attack yeah, it was gamma two legion, right attack of the legion attack of legion advent of legion advent of the legion <laughs> i'm not sure <laughs> what the actual translation is uh i'm sure kyoe will be able to help us out with that one uh yeah it's weird uh uh, you know, it's, it's like so weird. I'm not even sure what the whole like what the big one's name is. The but the small ones are like, do they definitely are legions, right? Because I they're it's just it's legion. Legion is many, but they are one. One are many, right? Many are one. Oh my exactly. Needlessly anyway, welcome back. No, let's focus you know, on Alex. this for the next hour. <laughs> <laughs> we are the Monsters versus Men podcast, where we are still trying our best to stay alive here at the bargain basement of the Kaiju Podcasting Airwaves. Mm-hmm. I'm Eric, and with me today... Legion himself, Alex. Legion himself. He is many. <laughs> In his many forms, Alex. Mm-hmm. Hey, but before we jump into Gamera 2, um, I wanted to take a moment and just give some thanks to some people. Um, oh, it's not even November yet. Have, it's not November. <laughs> Are you are you saying because of your birthday? No, well, no, but that no, that's when everyone's thankful for me. Um, oh. No, <laughs> November Thanksgiving. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought you were so narcissistic. You're talking about your birthday. I mean, it there, it's a possibility. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I I want to thank some people because Alex, we have our uh, one year anniversary coming up. Really soon. Mm-hmm. Did you know that? Uh, That's pretty crazy. I knew it was this is up. This is episode 51. This is episode 51. <laughs> Next week is episode 52. Uh, the week after that is kind of our celebration, uh, our year celebration. And we've got a special episode plan for, it'll be technically episode 53. But the people I want to thank, I want to thank specifically our patrons. And, and we started our Patreon pretty recently, um, so I really want to thank the people that have been early supporters of the podcast. Yeah. And so at at the $2 level, we have Brett, Travis, and Michael. Uh, thank you guys for supporting the podcast. That's absolutely awesome. We seriously thank you for your support. Um, at the $5 level, we had David, Kyoe, and Ken. Guys, honestly, you don't know how much it means that you even moved up to that $5 level. And I know most of you, if not all of you, are actually listening to the podcast ahead of time. So you're you're getting your perks from that <laughs> tier level, which yeah. is awesome. <laughs> you yeah, know, Ken, like that's Ken, really cool. Ken told me already that he was dis- kind of disappointed in us for our rating for the last movie. For our rating. I uh, know. <laughs> <laughs> I know David does for sure. And then, uh, and I know Kyoe does as well because she always gives us feedback <laughs> before it comes out. <laughs> uh, and then... 
I want, I want to thank our executive producer, Michael Herndon, uh, who's a relatively new patron, but honestly, we got to talk with him in our executive producer meeting. Uh, was it last two weeks ago? Yeah. And that yeah. was awesome. It was, was awesome. awesome. He's, he's a super nice guy and gave us a lot of great ideas. Yeah. He, 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 it was really nice to talk to him and just get to kind of know him a little bit better. And, you know, we've got someone else we have to talk to this time around. We're, we're bound we by do. contract, unfortunately. <laughs> what we do. <laughs> and so that brings us to our new patrons. Um, and that is Jay. Uh, at the $2 level, who's just a good friend of ours and did the Space Women Challenge, Alex. Oh, Jay no. I've forgotten, amazing, haven't I? Which you still haven't uploaded. I, I recorded it. My daughter got croup, and I have completely forgotten about it. Mm. Shame, shame, shame. <laughs> but we also have added a new executive producer to the team, and that is our previous guest and future guest, Faye Basir. Faye, we really appreciate you. We thank you. And honestly, we love to hear your feedback. Uh, and we'd love to have you on the team. Seriously, that's a great addition to the Monsters vs. Men team right and, there. And she she sounds like this is a – she the way she's phrased uh, uh, supporting us on Twitter was that this sounds like a completely malicious attack uh-huh. on us. Uh-huh. And so I'm interested to see how this plays out. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't super malicious. I know she, it wasn't. She, she called was us, kidding. She called us the cool dads of the uh, Kaiju <laughs> podcasting community. <laughs> she, <laughs> Along with David, I should mm, say. So no, Malicious intent, Faye. I know what you're trying to do. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for all of our patrons. And as always, just a quick MVM Plus reminder, even at that $2 level, that first tier, you get access to all of our MVM plus episodes. We just released uh, a little, a week and a half ago, we just released our top five Ultraman episodes, which is, was an MVM plus exclusive. And today we're welcoming Jack and Corey onto the cast to talk top five ultra seven episodes. So if you listen and love that top five Ultraman episode with Michael and Matt, you are definitely going to love this one. And you can find all that over at patreon.com slash MVMPOP. And finally, for those of you that don't want to uh, buy into the capitalist machine oh, of Patreon. Okay, Honda. Okay, Honda. <laughs> I completely, I get it. I get it. But one way you can help us out. Uh, without doing that, it's just leaving us a review on iTunes. Those reviews really help. And we have like the fewest reviews of, of any Kaiju podcast, <laughs> we really do. which is it's really bad. <laughs> but we haven't really advertised it too much. But I do want to thank Terry. Terry, if this is the Terry, I think it is. Um, Terry 2099. If it's it's if it's my friend Terry uh, from Twitter and Letterboxd, he's he's one of those listeners, Alex, that watches the films pretty much most of them for the first time with us along with us right uh so i really like terry and he left us an awesome review over on itunes he says i've had a blast watching these movies along with the show from week to week they have some great insight and play off each other very well whether you're first getting into these monster movies or already well acquainted these episodes are awesome companion pieces to go along with the films Thank you, Terry, for leaving yeah. that review. That was and awesome. Terry, I want to know if your username, I won't say it on here in case you just don't want us to say it, but I want to know if your reference is to Spider-Man 2099 or not. 
So let me know. I want to know. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, Alex, without further ado, why don't you kick us off with our film introduction? Now that you've talked us to death, I'll take over. <laughs> <laughs> All right. As the second film in Kaneko's Heisei trilogy, Gamera 2, Attack of the Legion, attempts to go harder, better, faster, stronger. (laughs) (laughs) It's original, with more monsters, more explosions, and more military. But, does this sequel aim to please, or does it leave you on your knees? Well... If we're talking about the spiritual component of this film, it may certainly have me kneeling, Alex. Um, You know, instead of the mythology of the first film, we get a spirituality here in Gamera 2 that is belief put into action. Specifically, it's belief in Gamera put into action against the invasion of this lesion colony or this lesion monster, whatever we want to call it. From the opening credits, there's cross symbolism. And we say that uh, we see that in the way the story plays out, you know, with Gamera's death and resurrection. Mm-hmm. Now, we're not the Kaiju Apostle podcast. We're not going to dive too hard into the theology here. But I will say that some of that theology is interesting. Whether or not you're a Christian, I view Gamera here as belief put into action. And it's not just the belief of one person. It's not just the high priestess this time. It's the collective. No single individual. Uh, and they all come together for Gamera to rise and defeat the Legion monster. Did you appreciate that aspect, Alex? Yeah, I really appreciated it. Uh, I'm glad we kind of abandoned the lame nuclear stuff from the previous film in favor of, frankly, something a little more interesting and unique, especially to this genre. And while it does have a Bible quote, I don't feel like we are beat over the head with this message, Mm -mm. Uh, which I am just very thankful for. Uh, I like the faith aspects of having to believe in something that, as you put it, that puts faith into action. Uh, and mm-hmm. while Gamera, I do have like this weird thing. I'm like, well, Gamera is a manufactured being. So I kind of have yeah. trouble understanding how belief affects a techno looks like organic being. Uh, I might just be getting too into the weeds there, but. Do know that this kind of bothers me. <laughs> it's a mystery. It's a mystery, Alex. But I think that's I think that's faith too, right? Um, you know, another thing is how this film explores horror elements and also some more campy, over the top moments as well. Um, and this is funny, Alex. We were texting each other about this film, mm-hmm. and we both had the same thought. That this, like specifically, I don't know what it was for you, but it was the horror elements yes. in this for me that reminded me of Godzilla versus Destoroya. Yeah. If Destoroya was more successful, that is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, you know, there was, there was one jump scare in the tunnel that really got me. But honestly, it was more than the jump scares. There was a tension in just the framing of the scenes. Like the tunnel scene before the jump scare, the way that the camera moved and almost felt disoriented itself was really kind of Mm off-putting. And then you had the the mysteriously eerie opening where you're not quite sure what's going on. Maybe that was just me, but I was a little confused at the beginning. Like what, what's, what's happening here with these uh, asteroids or meteorites? It was a little, it was a little eerie. Um, And then you had the countdown timer that essentially 
becomes very real, very fast. That scene, the tension was cranked up to an 11 in that scene. Uh, and it all added to that horror. And with that horror, we got the camp, as I mentioned, which I actually really appreciated. It's those campy moments that reminded me of some of my favorite moments from GMK, actually. And I think it, I think why I appreciate them is it's their sincerity. Right? Mm-hmm. In their sincerity and their absurdity, they help alleviate the tone, which can be almost too serious at times. Hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think you hit on my favorite part of the film, though. And again, we mentioned this in that it, 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 the Destroyer comparison comes down to the attempt at horror with smaller monsters who are essentially a bigger monster. So the mm-hmm. parallel is is there. Um, yeah. But it just works on every level better than Godzilla versus Destroya. But this isn't a clone of that film. Or no, that film's not a clone of this one, I guess, since that came out. Hmm. I don't know the timeline on that one. Uh, actually, this came out after Destroya. But what I do like is that it really nails this like unsettling horror-like vibe for 30 minutes. Starting with the scene where they're in the snow and they see the asteroids, which I really like that. It almost gave me a, uh, the thing type of vibe, like yeah, this yeah. Mer- mysterious thing coming down. But I, I think it's just really great. And I really like how it transfers out of like the horror phase of the movie, which I could have gone this whole movie with in the horror phase, mm-hmm. but they transfer out of it like really, uh, fluidly, but they bring gamma into the battle and, He's really monstrous when he first shows up. Like he he feels like he could be a villain. We know he's not, but it feels like he could be. Like Cece was actually watching it uh just mm-hmm. one scene. I couldn't convince her to watch it with me. But she was like, Oh, he's kinda like scary in this one. I was like, I, I was actually thinking the same thing. And hmm. after he defeats the flower the first time, the kind of like the horror and the doom and gloom aspect of it, especially that awesome uh, we're about to all die moment, which I really like. I just really like yeah. that. But when that's over, we kind of transition into a little bit of a different movie that I like. I think it's a really smooth transition, even if I did like the horror aspects. Now, what is really cool about that whole sequence, though, is those amazing effects. It really shows off what this movie's going to be showing us. Like, mm-hmm. completely blown away. <laughs> by the effects no. in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> like this, I agree. This is a level above anything we saw in Heisei Godzilla. Like, without a I doubt. Agree. And yeah. the whole sequence is just this incredible showcase telling us what we can expect from this movie. And I think the movie is almost perfectly paced. Almost. And whenever Gamera shows up, the film really turns on, like... Uh, the the afterburners because it really is a highlight of the movie. Now, there's only one moment, and Eric, I know you know what moment I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. There's only one mm-hmm. moment with Gamera that I don't like, and that's the finale of the battle. And it falls into the exact same problem I had with the previous film. He gets a new yeah. power that is powered by unknown means that results in defeating a, the foe that looks like he could possibly lose against. Mm-hmm. So for a film so well done the entire time, for it to be so lazily written in the last three minutes of the film, it, it hurts. I mean, it is. It's lazy. That's what it is. It's a cop out. You're not willing to work around and figure out a way to tell the story you want to tell. I mean, maybe this is the story they want to tell. 
but we don't know what powered him, right? <laughs> we don't know. Mm. We we can guess. We can make all kinds of guesses, but those those guesses are not satisfying to me. To me, none of the answers. I'm like, none of these are okay because I'm pulling. I'm just like, yeah, ra- random guesses. Is, is this like a? Is this like a? He's gathering spirit energy. Is he get? What is he? What's he collecting? I have whatever. I'm, again, I'm a little lost at words for an aspect of one of these movies. Uh, we'll ask Jack. We'll ask yeah. Jack when he comes on in the podcast here. And then, a and then the final lines of the movies. Just, I don't need it. Just show, don't tell. Just show, don't tell. Okay. <laughs> well, okay. So I think I agree with you that the ending is a little rushed there in the final battle. Once again, though, I'm not like I, I'm not too off put by the ending i'm not too off put by a new power just just because of of what we've already seen and and this idea of i think it was i think it was the faith and belief and that wasn't spelled out for us right that was shown to us uh of the people that gave him this power but you're right it does come a little bit out of nowhere and my issue is not as much the new power as it is just how quickly it all wraps up Mm. um but you know, the final piece of dialogue that you mentioned there between Hanami and Abitsu, I actually find it kind of cheeky and less over the top as I found the messaging to be last week. That was an issue I had last week. Um, here, I thought it was actually just kind of fitting for the tone of the film um, and, and fitting kind of for a Gamera film. Like we hadn't get, get been we hadn't received any sort of exposition like that the whole movie. Right. And so finishing the movie like that was just kind of a cheeky way to, to wrap things up and also potentially sets up a storyline for, for the next film. I'm not sure if, if that's the case or not by saying something like we don't want Gamera against us, you know, um, mm. which would be interesting. I'm looking forward to next week. The one thing I will say is I do wish that the characters, a few characters had a little more depth to them. Yeah. I like the characters here a lot. But to me, there just aren't that many layers to the characters that make them particularly interesting or uniquely human. Hmm. Um, and so I wonder what you thought about the characters. Were you, did you want more from them at all? Well, I thought all the characters were great. They all have this distinctive voice and they feel fully fleshed out. Now, whether we get that deep dive into the uniquely human aspect I think you could maybe argue either way. I'm not sure where I, I, I'm. They definitely don't have the exploration that I think you're looking for. And I'm, I am a little bit mm. too, but I'm not actually sure if that matters or not in this film, but I will say it was nice to see Asagi again. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and seemingly it was really nice to see her relationship with Gamera be forcefully severed when she's aiding in his revival. I really like that moment. Um, Mm -hmm. because, you know, we're going into the third movie and we don't know what kind of implications that moment has. And I I like that little bit of mystery now. And while I liked our military characters, I think the heart of the film really lays with our scientists and they really are interesting. Um, what is it? Manami is the main, uh, female scientist. Yes. Midori Hanami. Yes. Midori Hanami. Uh, Hanami. She she is really the little child of the Showa series and this one in terms of knowing every single solution to everything. But it doesn't yeah. feel broken for some reason, the way they handle her character and the way she does her solutions. And I think it's because there are moments where she finds a solution and it looks like they're inevitably going to die 
or something like that. Yeah. So I liked her character and <laughs> her character really seemed to come alive, like almost be a different character when her friends go to visit her at that shop. Mm-hmm. And she seems like a completely different character when she's at home. Which is pretty yeah. a little interesting layer that I liked about that. She she she, she has the most to her for sure. Uh, I like how she's always <laughs> she's not w- willing to like uh, offer her hand to to get help getting off a platform, you know, or she doesn't want to be left behind on anything. She's very independent um, and she's a go getter, yes. which I appreciated. Um, I will say, like, I don't necessarily need character arcs for these characters, um, especially in this sort of film. Like, when you have that camp element, I don't think you're necessarily going to get character arcs, and that's okay. But when you do add in that spiritual element, you you might want a little bit Hmm. of an arc. And so it's a hard balance to have. Like, what do you want to have? Do you want to have... more camp or do you want to have this more spiritual aspect? It's, it's hard to have both, I think in a sincere way, Yeah. but this film does an excellent job at balancing the two. Yeah. It's, it's really tricky, but this film does a, a really good job at balancing. Yeah, yeah but, they do. Well, I really, I want to ask you really quick, we, we've somehow neglected uh-huh. it this whole time. Legion. Did you like Legion? I thought Legion looked amazing. <laughs> I did the too. Only, the, the only effect I would say that was subpar is the first time the horde of Legion attacks Gamera. Oh, yeah. Um, and we bad. see it from a distance and you're like, eh, that does look good. That bad CG. Then it looks, then, then the camera zooms in and it looks great. <laughs> yes. uh, but it was from a distance. It didn't well, look great. It was because uh, other than that, when it first happens at a distance, when the initial rush on him, he becomes Gamera becomes a completely CGI character. And so, right. and so do the things that are attacking him. So it looks really now, bad. <laughs> now as Gamera uh, <laughs> is injured and flies away and leaves his green blood on the window. Oh, awesome. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> that was awesome, yeah. I liked how otherworldly uh, Legion Prime, I guess, looks. Like, yes. but he doesn't have hands. He's got, like, these cra- this crab-like body almost. Uh, it's so It's almost a mantis-like. It's almost yeah, mantis-like. I can see that. And there's that point where uh, Legion... It's almost like stands up on its hind legs. Oh, and yeah. It's, it, it, uh, it towers over Gamera. It's not even close, um, yeah. <laughs> it's it's awesome. Uh, so I really liked Legion as well. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> I did too. Well, let's go ahead and get Jack on, and we'll ask him some more questions about Attack of Legion. All right. Sounds good. So, Jack, we've had you on the show before, but... yeah. Not since you and your friends started the Drift Space podcast. And I want to ask you about that again. But in case listeners don't remember, Jack, give us a quick reintroduction, who you are and why we should listen to you. Uh, Because I'm just that good. I'm that awesome. Mm. He's Mm -hmm. the way you should listen to me. (laughs) But uh, first of all, uh, thanks thanks for having me back on. I'm glad to be the returning Travis for this episode. Ah. The feature, the featured Travis of this episode. Yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> by the way, I want to s- <laughs> swerving. I'm listening to your Baragon episode, swerving on I-22. 
uh, at the uh, tail end, thinking to myself, because oh, I'm man. laughing so hard at, at that. I'm like, I'm wondering, well, if, I, if something happens, well, what? if I could send them the insurance bill. I, I feel like I need to clear the air. I need to clear the air. What happened there was, like, I, I had done a replacement of the word guest with Travis. And so, like, any, so when I said returning guest in my in my document... I said returning Travis, and so <laughs> it, it was. It was unfortunate. Yeah, that, well, that's what I'll say. That, re- that reasoning he just gave. I'm gonna edit it out so nobody knows. So why. no one will know, right? No, I think that's much better. That's much better. I, I want to give you guys a hand. These Gamera episodes have been a blast to listen to, and and some of the guests you've had on. Like I know uh, you had my buddy Joshua uh, Joshua mm-hmm. Gosh on there, and. Uh, Matt Frank on there. I had mm-hmm. never listened to Henry before uh, <laughs> oh. your episode. And so now I feel like I need to, I, I would like to just lay on the floor for eight hours straight and listen to his insane rambling. Uh, <laughs> I think that would be the best use of my time. And, and just in well, case that does happen, I've actually installed seat belts in my carpet here. Uh, so I'm ready for that. <laughs> There you go. The and good news <laughs> is, is that you can listen to Henry for eight I, yeah. straight hours. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Eric, you said something. I listened to your Super Monster episode, and uh, you said, do, "Do you do you think Ryan Johnson had this movie in mind when?" And as soon as you said "when," I was already swerving on the road again, dying laughing. I was. <laughs> Uh, yes, I, I actually, oh, uh, actually had to edit out the part where CC pulls me back from going into a rant about no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't bring up Ryan Johnson with Alex around. I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> and Alex, and as you know, I, I had I had lunch with Alex uh, recently, and that was that was great. Except Eric, did you did he tell you this? I'm, I'm gonna. So, so I we the the waiter comes up and says, uh, "Is this going to be on one check or two? And Alex says two. And I go, I go. Well, dude, I, I can I can get your I can get yours too. I was totally prepared oh. to as well. And he goes, he says, he says, you never offered to pay for my food. I guilted I said, you no, into no, no, it. No, 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 no. He did not kill me. Into it. <laughs> I guilted him into offering. I said, you're not going to pay for my meal. <laughs> was that was that what you said? Okay, maybe you did say that. Yeah, maybe I that guilted was you. Into I would it. totally. I would. <laughs> Yeah. I got you to offer, and then when you offer, I acted like it was a big deal. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's just actually got me. that's just more got of me. Alex move. What kind of man do you think I? <laughs> that is that is an Alex move, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Jack, we we mentioned your podcast. You've been sh- shouting our praises, and, and well, we appreciate it. But we, we mentioned your podcast, the Drift Space Podcast. Before we, we jump here into Gamera 2, tell us a little bit about the Drift Space. What what can listeners expect to hear from your crew? So, yeah, the Drift Space was somewhat born of the pandemic. Uh, myself, two of my old friends, Dave and JR, and my sister Rebecca had kicked around the idea of doing a podcast before, but when everything went to hell, that's when we actually decided to take something seriously. We decided, well, we're going we're going to end up in hell anyway. We might as well make it comfortable. Uh, and, <laughs> and Dave and I, we, we, had, we had more free time on our hands as we waited for our jobs to figure out what the next move was. And so we had the first episode out by April, and it snowballed from there. Uh, we're not 
we're not strictly a kaiju podcast. I'll just get that out of the way now. But we've we've covered some things like the first Godzilla anime and Pacific Rim, which is what the Drift Space was inspired by, the, the name Drift Space. Um, and we'll continue to cover some kaiju stuff, much to uh, Dave's chagrin. But uh, we... <laughs> You know, we, we all have different franchises and topics we're into that we, we bring to the table. And, you know, me with the kaiju stuff, JR with the Marvel superhero stuff, uh, Rebecca with Transformers, and Dave is a massive Star Wars fan with another podcast mm-hmm. that covers a lot of that called uh, Pizza and Parsecs. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so we, we, we bring that stuff to the table. Things we tend to ha- all have passion for is usually Star Trek, and we've we've been going through each of those movies intermittently and uh we have a really really exciting wrath of khan episode coming out soon so yeah it's a melting pot it's a a generally a geek centric podcast and i do want to i do want to sing the praises of my friends here my involvement is almost strictly recording with them i don't have a lot of time anymore as i explained to you guys before we record started recording uh so beyond that i'd have to say a lot of it is Dave. He does an incredible job with editing, creating audiograms, and the social stuff you can largely chalk up to JR. Uh, Rebecca does all of our art. And I'm, I'm on there sometimes, but they, they understood my work doesn't really allow much time for anything anymore, uh, which is why you don't see much of me these days. But we're, we're all happy, happy that we can, we can kind of get together and do this every now and then. Yeah, it's a great way to stay in touch with your... We are friends, especially during the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Eric, won't, well, Eric won't even see me anymore. So, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, here's the deal, Jack. Last time you, I went to go see Eric, I, dr- I literally dropped a copy of Shin Godzilla on his doorstep and texted him 15 minutes later. After the sun had killed all the coronavirus on it, I texted him 15 minutes later. I was like, uh, there's something on your front door. <laughs> you know what it was, Eric? You, you didn't pay for his meal. I know. That's, that's why that's he won't. <laughs> I know. I, I live I know. six and a half hours away from the man. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know why I'm laughing anymore. I just <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> this so, is yeah. what happens with Alex. That's just, just, oh boy. <laughs> you know, when I saw him, when I when I finally met him at uh, this, he he wined and dined me at this you know barbecue place. It was very nice. Uh, <laughs> I'll have to send an apology letter to his wife. But uh, he, uh, I get in there, and I, I look at him. I go, "You're real." Um, so we we. You're up next, Eric. We gotta figure out some time. Yeah, man. Time. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's real. It's I'm real. <laughs> it's the real. <laughs> I don't even know if Eric's real. Actually, no, I do, because he did the Space Woman Challenge, and I'm, oof. The Space yeah. Woman so Challenge? Oh, well, we'll get you in on it. Okay, um, all right. Anyway, all right. <laughs> so, so, you know, I had a question for you about yeah. this movie. Mm-hmm. All right. I feel that this movie kind of falls apart at the last, not falls apart, but it, its weakest part is the last three minutes of the film, where Gamera gets a new ability, mm-hmm. and essentially just annihilates his his enemy with no problem. What do you what do you think about that? What what caused his new ability to show up, 
And is it okay to do it that way? Because that's two movies in a row that um, that happens. Well, first of all, in the first movie, you got to remember, Gamera absorbs fire. That's right, always been a thing. It is, but he doesn't do it until <laughs> the final moment of the movie. It's not established that he can do that in in this in that movie or this right. trilogy, I guess. And then he just uses it at the end for a one shot kill, and then it happens again in this movie. Yeah. So okay. Yeah, I think I was I was rewatching an interview with Shinji Higuchi, who's a special effects director for all three films, and uh, and you know the co director for Shin Godzilla. And he he was explaining that, you know, the the whole absorbing fire thing was kind of just a nod to the old movies that he figured that, you know, old fans would kind of recognize it and whatnot. Uh, as for why it's happening, this kind of like, you know, rabbit pool. Uh, yeah, Alex, you're, you're going to have to watch the next movie, actually. That's uh, that's going that's, to give you your, your explanation. He is a he is a techno organic being. It cannot be mm-hmm. thoughts and prayers because he's not. <laughs> he's made. He's built. He's created. Right. So I'm like, I don't really buy that he's like this like spiritual being, even though that's totally what he's intended to be. It's not necessarily spiritual. Uh, they. I will. I will just say that they. Okay. You will get your explanation in the next movie. And That's I don't want to say needed. anything more. <laughs> I, needed, I needed three movies to explain why he's finished off two enemies already. <laughs> no, well, but th- th- that's being too hard on the film. I, I did want to know what you thought, but I guess you know already, mm-hmm. so you would just spoil it for Eric. Well, it's it's interesting because I actually watched Gamera 3 before I saw Gamera 2. That, that's um, not the order you're supposed to watch it in, just so you know. I, I, well, I didn't know there was a Gamera 2 before a Gamera 3. I just can't count. Uh <laughs> So yeah, I, I messed myself up with that one. I'm sure had I seen Gamera 2 first, I would have been like, where did that come from? Uh, a, a, that was a common complaint back in the 90s was that, you know, Gamera just pulls these spectacular abilities out of his out of his ass and, and uh, you know, um, mm-hmm. we, didn't, we didn't get an explanation for that until the third film. But, uh, you know, now that the third, we do have the third film, it doesn't really bother me too much. Okay. Yeah. No, I get that. Um, well, let's talk about this film then a little bit. Uh, what are your initial thoughts on this film? Like, how, how do you view it overall before we jump into these awards? So, yeah, Gamera 2 is admittedly my least favorite of the trilogy. That's, that's not to say I think it's bad or weak, but it doesn't quite... It doesn't quite scratch the itch that the other two movies do. I think it's I think it's a technically well-made movie. It's great looking, and the mystery element plays out like a like an ultra Q episode. Mm. Um, but I also think that's its its greatest weakness. After you know, after characters like Asagi and Osako and Nagami in in the first movie, the ones taking center stage here, they don't really have a lot going on. They're essentially just working together to solve a mystery. Um, I think. I think the story really uses its characters more for a procedural than it does for their own arc, kind of like Shin Godzilla, which I, I actually, I see a lot of similarities between those two movies. Mm-hmm. Um, both movies mention article nine and whether or not giant monsters meet the criteria of mobilizing Japanese yeah. self-defense forces. Uh, yeah. Both movies could be looked at as having a pro-military slant, or at least it asks the question, is it pro-military? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, there's there's other deep dives in this movie as well. What do we think of Gamera being portrayed as a, a Christ-like figure? Should mm-hmm. 
the Legion have been allowed to propagate its species on another world? Uh, should Kaneko ever use free frame, freeze frames in a movie ever again? Because each time no. he tries, the puppy dies. Uh, I mean, God, that was so off-putting. I was watching it again like, earlier today. That is so off-putting. What's, it is. What's worse, what's worse is he completely drops the freeze frame idea halfway through the film. It's like he yeah. realized it was a bad idea, but didn't bother to go back and take the others out. <laughs> Anytime I see a freeze frame, I expect like 80s music to start playing over it in the credits to roll <laughs> every time. But here's here's who I think. I think the real MVP of Advent of Legion is special effects director Shinji Higuchi. And I mean, yeah. he he really raised the bar here visually, and he did it while experimenting with wider shots compared to the first movie. Uh, you know, in the first movie, everything was tight, and that was kind of a budget thing with with, with mm-hmm. lots of shots with crowded foregrounds, framing the monsters, which I love. You guys know I love it when yeah. buildings and signs, bikes, power lines, and stuff and stuff frames monsters in the city. But mm-hmm. in this one, Higuchi purposefully wanted a much larger dominant kaiju for Gamera to fight, and he wanted to showcase them from wider angles, like they were towering over everything. And he had to do this without losing a sense of scale. Uh, He said he liked the more rural, open areas because cities were gradually losing their appeal to him. Like putting (laughs) just putting a monster next to a building wasn't wasn't as interesting to him. Yeah, putting him at a farm is way more interesting. Yeah, well, he he mentioned (laughs) he mentioned power lines and smokestacks and stuff like that. I don't. And you got um, the helicopter scene too. Yeah, you you did get to. That's awesome. It is awesome. (laughs) Yeah, so it I I did I don't know. I find it interesting he he was saying all of this because of the final battle in the next movie, which I won't give away where that takes place, but um the climax probably includes my favorite Tokusatsu set piece. Um nice. and to this day I still think it was a very gutsy, intimate decision. And it's the exact opposite of what he did in Gamera 2, which has a much hmm. wider frame for the monsters to play in. Um, it's also interesting he liked these wide rural areas so much because a shot he was really proud of in Gamera 2 was the perspective from the Jeep in Sendai. Yes. Yeah. Where, uh, you know, where Gamera is doing his Jiger inspired death crawl to, uh, <laughs> yep. to the Legion yep. flower. And, uh, you know, the scale there was excellent. He gives us uh, a similar shot like that in Shin Godzilla. So, yeah, I mean. So many of those small shots that really make this movie and make those effects work, right? It's, it's those world building shots where you don't have to, he didn't have to do a shot within the Jeep, within the Humvee, whatever that vehicle was. He didn't have to do that, but he still did. Uh, you know, you could have had a shot just, just a few inches out of it and that would have been fine. But because we get that perspective from within, it's just that those little details that create this world uh, that's so easily inhabitable. So I love that. That's a great point. Well, and Eric, you, you really nailed on something that he even mentioned in an interview. He said that uh, shots like that or shots when like, you know, in the first movie where Gauss lands his claws in the street and we see kind of a perspective where it's like there's a fence in front of it or something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. He said those shots don't really further the story. I'm trying to tell. We just right. we just did them because they yeah. you know they were interesting. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah you're makes, absolutely that right. That makes so much sense. So, uh, and I, got, I I think I think we have like the same view on this film. It sounds like 
uh, Jack. So I'm, I'm glad to hear it. You had a question for us, though. I did have a question for you, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm glad we're kind of on the same page with the film. I, I like the film a lot. I really do, but I just don't think it's quite as strong as the other two in this trilogy. Uh, my question for both of you guys, though, is the, your, the first Kaneko movie you saw was actually the one after these movies, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. GMK. Uh, now that you've seen at least two of his Gamera movies, how do you, how do you guys think <laughs> it compares to uh, his Godzilla film? <laughs> Well, I said right before you came on, Jack, I thought this film reminded me more of GMK than the first Gamera film. Mm -hmm. And I think that's because of the more campy elements that we find here. Um, That reminded me of some of those campy elements in GMK. (laughs) Also, the score. (laughs) Is it Atari? Is is that his name? Atani? Co-Atani, yeah. Yeah, Atani, that, uh, not Atari, not to be confused with the game system, Atari. Atani, Atani score here uh, really amplifies the action and it, ki- it really kicks things into high gear, which is exactly what happened in GMK as well. So this film actually reminded me more of GMK and I say is a little bit, for me, is more on par with what I, what I saw in GMK. What about you, Alex? Uh, I actually like this a little more than GMK. And I know that's uh, probably a controversial take, but I'm not as high on GMK as a lot of people are. I I still really like it. I really like it. That's not to say I don't like it. (laughs) I I actually really enjoyed this movie quite a bit. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's, let's jump into the awards then. And we'll start with the coolest character award. Alex, as always, Mm. start us off. Yeah, uh, mine's gonna be. <laughs> I put pharmacist white wife, but this is a uh, Hanami's mom. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, there are two moments in this film where her dad wants to see what's going on in her room, and he just casually or she just casually grabs him and lures him back to dealing with customers. And it's, it, it's so like flawless and casual. I could see someone overlooking the first instance in particular, not necessarily the second one, but it, it, uh, she's great. She's, she's got the most control of any mother I've seen. And uh, <laughs> with letting two strange men into her daughter's room. Yeah, that was an awkward scene. Not necessarily by the context, but just by the conversations that were being right. had. Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, my my coolest character was First Lieutenant Hanatani. Um, he's almost seems like a throwaway character, but of course he's the character that has the famous line that basically names the monster and calls him Legion with the Bible verse. Right. Um, now, what I liked about Hanatani is he he from the very beginning is a believer it seems like uh, and he's always willing to jump in and help with whatever needs uh needs assistance um so i i appreciated him he, he he wasn't a major character but he was a character that always seemed to step ahead of everybody else mm. yeah he definitely did what about you jack i've you know she didn't have much of a role in this movie but i've got to go with Asagi. Uh, yeah, yeah, she's she's my favorite character of the entire trilogy. She she does the least in this movie, but it was cool seeing her like this after the first movie. It was kind of it was it was neat seeing having a new perspective of her because she's not the main character here. She's she's uh, you know we're kind of seeing her through the eyes of uh, Hanami, who you know kept talking about the girl who can talk to Gamera, the girl who can talk to Gamera. No one really wants to 
get into it except her. And when she right. finds Asagi at the helipad, she's, you know, Asagi's not concerned about whether or not people believe she can speak with Gamera. I mean, and, you know, she was just on vacation. But right. when Gamera returns, she has this very childlike faith in him. And that's all that matters is her her belief in him. And it was it was interesting to see this kind of outside perspective of the main character from the first movie. Right. Yeah. Now, I, I like that. And, and I liked how this film handled being a sequel. <laughs> it didn't try to be over the top with all the connections that it made. And again, you only really had Asagi and the, um, what's the security guy? Guard oh, Sako. Inspector Osako. Yeah. Yeah. Osako. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> well, Those are the only two characters that actually appear. Um, and they, again, they don't have those, the major roles, ooh. but I, I thought it was very tasteful in, in, in the through lines uh, where it hinted at, at the last film, but it didn't hit you over the top with the last no. film. It didn't rely on the last film by any way, shape or means. Now, mm-hmm. Eric, did you notice, you, you probably did. Did you notice that when they're looking, they're in Hanami's room and yeah. they open that book and it's got, the <laughs> it's got the uh, professor Nagami. from the last film. Yeah. Yep. It. Yeah. I thought that was a great nod. It was a great little nod. Um, but let's get into our most memorable line award. Jack, uh, who did you, or what did you have for your most memorable line? Okay. So, when they're all prepping for the battle with Legion, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's this one, uh, there's this one military guy. He's nameless. He gets in a tank with someone who's nervous, right? Mm. And uh, he asks him if he's nervous, and the guy says, "Yeah." He says, "Run if you want. No one will blame you. Not even, <laughs> not even Gamera could beat those things." Go into it with that in the back of your mind. I'm like, what the <laughs> hell kind of pep talk? If I told yeah, yeah. if I told my athletes, you know, <laughs> run with your tail between your legs, no one will blame you. The other team couldn't beat them. Go into it with that in the back of your mind. They'd look at me like, uh, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what are we it's doing so, here? This is so good. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he he should be good friends with uh, the main character from uh, Godzilla against Mechagodzilla, the girl that is, gives the worst pep talks of all times to small oh, children. <laughs> uh, they'd be best friends. <laughs> Honey, you're better uh, listening to your little plant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, my uh, most memorable line comes from Honami and it's when she walks into the brewery brewery, uh, (laughs) that has the cases destroyed and she says 10,000 cases what a waste of good beer I I just say I absolutely agree (laughs) that's her first thought right her first thought is what a waste of good beer and and yeah that'd probably be my first thought as well Mm -hmm. well Eric you had actually taken my original line so I started looking around for other lines and I found this one that was not in the version of the movie I saw but they've specified what version so go find it tell me if, if this is a complete lie on all the websites I found it on so yeah, this is the first time I've given a line that I've not seen, but it's it says in the second English soundtrack version of this DVD, it says oh, no. Colonel Waterase. He says, "Well, if we're trapped in an ass sandwich, I'll break out the Miracle Whip." Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. That's pretty awesome. Yep. <laughs> Have you I'll seen that, it. Jack? Yes. <laughs> Okay. It's on ADV's DVD. Yep. Yep. 
Uh, I'm so glad. Uh, let's move quickly away from that line. <laughs> and move oh, but why? Into, <laughs> and move into your can't believe the acting award, Alex. Uh, yeah, it goes <laughs> it goes to pharmacist wife again. What? Um, <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, she deserves both of these awards. She she just got layers. She has two scenes she appears in, and I remembered her more than anybody else in the movie. That's pretty impressive. I mean, oh my gosh, <laughs> I found her very relatable. <laughs> See, in just a couple of scenes, she has conveyed how exhausted she is with her husband's constant uh neck creaning around corners about his daughter you could tell she trusts her daughter she's tired of her husband she just wants to close up shop for the night i got it all right alex all right jack who did you have for your can't believe the acting award i can't top that eric uh, eric i can't i don't know what to say um i had a I had trouble with this one because I, no one particularly stood out except who you're going to mention, Eric. But uh, so I decided to go with uh, Yukijiro Hataru, who uh, cameos as former Inspector Osaku. Uh, he's a night guard in this movie, and his I, I just love his knee jerk reaction to everything. You know, the alarm mm-hmm. goes off and he freaks out uh, <laughs> behind the newspaper, which was a great reveal, by the way. Uh, yeah, uh, great reveal. Love it. And uh, you know, he sees the Legion shadow and he does his classic look up scream scamper off uh it it was it was just a great great cameo and i love i love his line the uh you're a professional night guard i'm only part-time um (laughs) it was was good it was good it was great what about you eric uh so i am gonna go with colonel watarase uh who's played by toshiyuki nagashima and the reason i chose this it wasn't because i necessarily loved his acting overall or love the character overall throughout the entire film. But whenever he takes out the mini Legion monster by throwing the cell phone into the room and just Mm. coming in like a straight boss, it's, it's the coolest, it's the coolest like individual human action moment in the film, hands down. Uh, Uh, Eric, this is can't believe that acting not coolest character. Uh, yeah, but but it was the acting that pulled it off. He okay. he pulled off. Just he wasn't the coolest character overall, but he had maybe the coolest action moment, and that was portrayed through the acting. So that was my choice. Yeah, I thought for a moment Keanu Reeves was in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was a bad joke. I'm tell glad those two apart. I got a reaction for both of you. you um, you've seen him before, though. Oh, uh, really? I believe he was in Megagirus. Huh. At the beginning, I think he was the uh, the one in Mega Gears who got killed. Oh, the oh the one of the first people at the, like, at the actual the, people. Yeah, get no, killed. he's like in that he's horror moment. It's off. Not in the movie for very long, but I'm pretty sure ah. he. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's he, the first he's, one to get eaten. He's the commander. No, no, no. He's the commander at the very beginning oh. that uh, Kriko wants to take revenge for. <laughs> ah, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> she had stomped her. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, Jack. Standout effect award. What you got? So I I really loved Gamera's flying form in this one with mm-hmm. the kind of sea turtle arms and the long tail. Uh, you know, I think at, by by this movie, 
after one movie, Kaneko and Higuchi have earned the right to sort of experiment with Gamera's design a little bit more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he just looks fast and more aerodynamic in this movie. And I love yeah. how, you know, there's more jet engine smoke coming in behind him. And I thought, I thought it was really cool reimagining of his flight form. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I agree. Mine, mine was uh, the roots being pulled up from the first uh, flower pod. Um, I just thought it was awesome how strong the roots felt and, and how, when they were pulled up from the ground, it just felt so realistic. I've dug up some trees in my day, uh, in my landscaping outdoor design, uh, work that I've done in the past. And that's, that's how it feels like to, to rip up a tree. They, they will do anything not to rip up. And you could see those roots in the ground holding so strong and everything around them just being destroyed. And it looked, it looked amazingly realistic. So I had to go with that. Hmm. Yeah. I, what about uh, you, man? I had the, the famous gamma power slide where <laughs> in the, there he enters the final <laughs> battle by just landing and while cruising, destroying unknown amount or killing unknown amount of people, probably <laughs> firing two or three fireballs at Legion mm-hmm. while, while just sliding. Hey, he's a pro at Mario Kart. He's just a pro. Yeah. You know, skirt, he's skirt. <laughs> that's right so uh, that that effect like it looks so good i'm not sure how they did it i don't know uh did just the fire effects in general awesome. impress me as mm-hmm. well um the very first time he shoots fire was was really a step up from what we saw in the last film mm-hmm. so i was i was impressed by that and then you add that with the power slide and that was definitely a really cool moment yeah for sure uh, it, the effects in general i'm impressed like the last movie was really good, but they stepped it up to like a whole other level. Yeah, I agree with that. What about your, oh, that's a good shot award, Alex? Uh, mine's got to be, you know, the the helicopter scene where it finally takes off after Gamera's like repelled Legion briefly. And it's taking off, going around Gamera while he's being pushed back by Legion. And it's it looks really good. Like really mm-hmm. good. Like I, I'm impressed with how realistic the helicopter and the two monsters clashing look in that yeah. scene. Yeah, yeah. The, I think that's a good example of what Jack was talking about earlier um, with the you know like using different sort of settings to show mm-hmm. these monsters because we get a couple of shots with with the helicopter in the foreground. And then a couple shots with the helicopter kind of in the background. And it really creates that realistic dynamic. Mm-hmm. So that, that's a good one for sure. Um, yeah. Mine was kind of a throwaway shot, actually. And it was during the uh, blooming of the second flower pod thing. <laughs> and it's this, it's this quick shot. And this is another one of those throwaway shots that we mentioned. And it's a shot. We've got an electrical line in the foreground and then you've got this building in the right hand side and things are just falling off of this building and the electrical pole is obviously a miniature the building is a miniature but then you have open windows in like the third story and you have people screaming in the third story windows and i'm not quite sure how it was done (laughs) uh just how how they put all those elements together in that way Mm -hmm. but it looked really realistic um, and I, I thought it was awesome. Yeah. It was. You know, Eric, we get a similar shot like that in a uh, Rodan with uh, people inside a building and they're running by and it's clearly the, the exterior is clearly a miniature with like 
bricks and debris falling in front of the window. Yeah. And I've always thought, you know, it took them this long to do that shot again. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that's a great shot. I, I need to watch Rodan. I, I need to get to that soon. Well, oh, it, maybe in our whoops. next series. Well, I was going to say, <laughs> if, if our if our votes uh, are the same as they are right now, we will be watching it soon. That'd be great. That'd be great. <laughs> Jack, what'd you have for your, oh, that's a good shot award? Uh, I really liked this one shot of Hanami's mother uh, cr- uh, pulling her husband uh, away from the... Uh, the staircase didn't you like that alex that one shot where where he alex thought you were serious for a second <laughs> no no <laughs> it's just like where is this going uh, uh, I, <laughs> I think i think mine's going to have to fall into the category of a throwaway shot as well you know, because I looked at this award and I was like, really? Because the whole movie is a cool mm-hmm. shot. But uh, I'm going to go with uh, something admittedly smaller, too. But it, it clearly took a lot of effort for how brief it was. There's this, uh, it was after the Legion sh- soldiers have crawled all over Gamera. And uh, there's this upstairs bar that we're seeing the interior of. And it's clearly a miniature. But uh, Gamera is outside the window and he crashes into it. Uh, bottles on the bar fall off, the table shakes and, and knock over, uh, the ceiling comes down. It's a really brief shot, but I love my interior miniature shots, and mm-hmm. it just really adds a new layer of perspective. And I, I thought it was beautifully detailed. And also more yeah. wasted liquor. <laughs> what a shame. Yeah. What a shame. What a good waste. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's move into our rating and ranking then. And Jack, we'll start with you. Out of five, what do you rate this movie? I know you're not a huge fan of ratings, but what do you rate this movie? And where would you rank it uh, among the Gamera series as a whole, Showa included? Okay, so I was prepared to give you a rating, even though it's not my forte. Uh, Out of five, don't screw it up. Oh, oh, okay. Thanks, Alex. (laughs) (laughs) Appreciate you keeping me accountable. Um. I'm going to give it four out of five. And uh, that's largely because, you know, in spite of my complaints of what it lacks, it still functions as a moving story. And it's still a very exciting story, too. And technically, there's just been nothing like it in the genre up to that point. So definitely four out of five. Where it ranks overall in the Gamera series, um, (laughs) I'll give you I'll give you this much. It's definitely within the top five somewhere in there. Mm. I'm not entirely sure where I would place it, but it's definitely within the top five. Gotcha. Okay. What's your uh, highest rated show of film then? Personally, uh, Gamera versus Gauss. Mm. Good man. I I, I have a lot of love for that one. Yeah. I think we said that actually in our show era showdown. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. We put it (laughs) as our number one. Yeah. And we know we mentioned Jack's, Jack's contribution as well. Oh, yeah, we um, did, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> uh, so for me, Gamera 2 Attack of Legion actually exceeds the quality of its predecessor. Um, the minor complaints I actually had with the first, so the prolonged expositional themes, the underutilized mythology, and the occasionally outdated effect, those are virtually absent in the sequel. To me... Uh, Attack of Legion, Advent of Legion 
is certainly more campy than the first, and that might turn some viewers away. But for me, the camp helps portray the absurdity of the horrors on screen in a way that feels aesthetically authentic while also alleviating the almost too serious tone. The cinematography and the effects, they combine to showcase a team of creators that obviously care about detail. And they obviously care, of course, about giant monsters. There's so many shots, like the shot from within the Jeep uh, or that shot from underneath the freeway that aren't necessary from a practical standpoint. But they absolutely showcase the miniatures, monster suits, and effects in a way that realistically world builds. Now, I wish the ending, I'm, I'm with you a little bit, Alex, I wish the ending didn't feel quite as rushed. And I'm with you, Jack, that I wish a few of the characters had a bit more dynamism. But overall, Gamera 2 makes me even more excited for, for the finale of this trilogy. It actually ranks at the top of my list currently, and I give it a 4 out of 5. Mm, well, I'm going to be right there with you. I, I've already put this at the top of my list as well, right above Gamera versus Gauss. And it's really, it's because this movie starts off pretty much perfect with that first 30 minutes of being a horror movie. Mm-hmm. I really like that. It really took what Godzilla vs. Destroyer wanted to do and did it right. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> I really like that about it. I like that Gamera feels like a complete badass in this in this one. Much more so than we've ever seen him before. Probably the closest was Gamera versus Gauss, I would say. Even because he's mm-hmm. doing all these new tricks. He's pulling out all the stops in this movie. And it's a lot of fun. You could tell that with the their with their minimal budget compared to the Godzilla movies, especially that they're going all out. They're doing things that we haven't seen from the Godzilla movies. The effects are stellar the entire time. I like the characters. They're really fun. They do lack some of the depth that we've gotten from even the previous film, but I'm actually okay with it because everything else jives so well. My mm-hmm. only my only mark really against it is the final three minutes of the movie. I, I just I'm not on board with new abilities coming out at the very end of a film, and I think the <laughs> final lines of the movie are a little tacked on. But other than that, I really love this movie. Uh, I, I'm doing a four out of five as well, and it's my number one right now. Man, so much variety in the rankings, guys, and the ratings. <laughs> uh, well, Jack, did you prepare a rhyme for us for next week's film? Uh, come back to me. <laughs> All right. I'll, I will come back to you. I'll come back. Alex, did you prepare a rhyme for next week's film? Uh, I did not, but I've already came up with it while you're asking Jack. Uh, God. <laughs> my God. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, it's, it's Revenge of Iris, right? Yeah. Gamera 3 is the Revenge of Iris. Will we be filled with glee or will we cry us? <laughs> What? Oh my God. <laughs> Alex. <laughs> when you say you came up with a rhyme, I expect yeah. like something that actually rhymes, man. People have expectations, Wait. Eric. Cry yeah, us that- <laughs> and Iris rhyme. What are you talking about? And then stop. three and glee. I, r- I rhyme two words with the title. Two different right. parts of the title. Mine is. Good luck, my, sir. I'm, I'm stopping you now, Alex. <laughs> Mine is. Will the revenge of Iris. Will the revenge of Iris be about a purple flower? Or will it be about Gamera's final hour?
Hey, I rhyme. I rhyme. Okay. 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 Well, you, you quit putting the polls up on Twitter so we could finally find out who's better and who's worse. So, yeah. oh, yeah. it's mostly because of that great shame you had to feel every week. I think, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Uh, Jack, did you, were you able to come yeah. up with something on the spot? It's, All right. it's not quite on par with what Alex does. I'm not quite the wizard with words he mm. is, oh, but, well, but. Why, thank you, Jack. But please go ahead. I'm sure it'll be stellar. <laughs> In the finale of the Gamera trilogy, will the struggle be complete or will he lose to the legend of some hillbillies? Ooh, okay, mm. interesting. Hillbillies, you say? We shall see. We shall see. Suddenly interested. Um, <laughs> yeah. Jack, tell us a little bit. Where, where can we find the Drift Space at? Uh, bump your podcast for a second. Yeah. So you can find our podcast, The Drift Space, on any of your favorite podcatchers, Spotify, Google, iTunes, and others that I don't know exist. Uh, we, we have a new episode every two weeks on Thursdays. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at The Drift Space. We're also on Instagram and Facebook. And I'm uh, still on Twitter every now and then as uh, G-Man on, on Mysterioid. So you can follow me there, cool. too. And you're going to join us today for our MVM Plus, is that right? That is correct. I am all set awesome. and ready for that one. We have got, today we have our top five Ultra 7 episodes, as I mentioned, on the top of the show. I am excited for that. Um, so we're going to jump right into that. Before we do, as always, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MVM underscore pod. On Letterboxd, I'm Eric Neely. You can email us mvmpod at gmail.com or leave us feedback at mvmpod.com. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash mvmpod and receive weekly bonus off-the-cuff episodes, MVM+. And if you feel so led, leave us a review on iTunes. Your review really helps. Monsters vs. Mint is produced by Alex Cornett. Executive producers are Michael Herndon and Faye Basir. Special thanks to our wives, Rock Band for PlayStation 3, Senor Honda, Drew the Collector, our Instagram connector, and you, the listener, for listening. Until next week, try <laughs> to <laughs> stay I was going to try to hold out longer than you. I was, I was, are we? Are we just going to? Are we playing?